0: Welcome to Everyday Animism, a weekly podcast exploring all things animism, particularly how animism impacts everyday life. The podcast is hosted by Kelly Harrell, Brandis Schnabel, and Janet Roper. Let's dive in. Hello.
1: Hello there. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing all right. Thank you. I think we've just got
0: Janet to come in here shortly. We are having the most gorgeous weather. I literally went out. On- you hi janet
2: how's everyone doing Janet, wonderful all
1: right
0: so we wanted to talk this week we talked a little bit ahead of time about maybe discussing what it is like to identify as an animist or talk about animism in current modern culture in the u.s since we're all in the u.s So, do any of you want to kind of talk? Do we want to talk about how that complicates things or just generally what it's like for each of us personally to identify that way?
1: I think all of the above and also Mm -hmm. kind of the collective barometer, you know, Mm -hmm. for for where that falls, because I kind of have a perspective on that as well. Okay. Why don't you start us off then? Well, this is the part that I find myself in consistent disbelief over, but it's not the cool club to be an animist in the pagan community. Um, well, you know, modern paganism and in a lot of cases to bring it up in modern shamanic communities the I think the modern pagan community has fought so hard for so long to be distinct from Christianity, meaning to be not a monotheistic, I don't know, belief system, uh, you know, whatever word you want to use there. Right. But um, I mean, it, it's pushed so hard against a monotheistic community that it's kind of sort of by default established polytheism and pantheism as what should be considered the neo-pagan norm which by default means animism is not the cool club so it you know even from this anthropological and um, academic perspective where animism is considered um, a step back it's considered ignorant and uncivilized and savage which if you want to sit and think about that for very long carry some really strong racist connotations very Yes. um you know it, it's like a, a lose-lose situation because it also carries some noble savage connotations also which again deeply racist but yes. um you know just in the modern sense of paganism it it's still considered kind of a slap in the face for how the movement has really pushed to be an an open theism and animism just comes along and says uh, none of that
0: yeah and i think um modern paganism or neo neo-paganism being being feeling very polytheistic and it it feels that way it felt that way in the particular course of druidic study that i um, spent a couple years in the polytheism of it is specifically what didn't resonate for me and what led me, what actually led me to animism of a more non-theistic understanding of, you know, personhood for everything. And that worship, it, I mean, for me feels problematic. It feels like where things become problematic and that's just in my experience. But I'm wondering, um, so how, um, and Kelly, I know you've spent a lot, I think of the three of us, you have spent the longest time identifying openly as an animist and um, using the word animism. So maybe you can speak to how that's evolved, like personally in expressing that as part of your belief system or your identity in different spheres of your life.
1: I find that in opening the conversation sort of not unlike shamanism but specific to animism that when I say that people are like I don't even know what you're talking about but when I start expressing the the experience that everything has a soul they're like oh yeah yeah well I think that too and so it is curious to me that we have this cultural pocket that we put animism in that's that is sort of this latent awareness that everything is alive Mm-hmm. But there's not a conscious effort to engage it and make it part of the everyday spiritual path or even hold it up next to what we actually consider our everyday spiritual path to be and say, you know what, these things don't match.
0: Yeah. And I, I think there's like a when I cause I've also had that experience of saying, you know, um, I'm an animist or the animisms, you know, the best way for me to describe what my personal beliefs are. Um, and we get into that conversation and someone says like, oh, yeah, yeah, I I resonate with that or I believe that too. But when it gets down to, so do you believe that your shoes are, right. you know, like it, it it when you get down into it, it's like, oh, there's like this discomfort and there's
1: this there's a projection, right? You're crazy. You know, when you start talking about, you know, my blender has a soul or my, you know, my television has consciousness, it makes people very uncomfortable, not just with the idea, but with you.
0: Yeah. And I think there's the the hierarchy aspect of how the world tends to see people in comparison to everything else that we are at the top of a food, not just at the top of a food chain, but are we? And right and that there's a worth associated with where we might fit in the evolutionary chain or because we make things or we use tools or like that there's somehow more inherent worth in us and the things that are like us and so uh, you know your handbag there's no one really wants to sit with the idea of like you know the fact that you might want to treat it a certain way or that it simply is alive because it is. And there doesn't have to be.
2: Yeah. Do you think that that's true even as kids? Because I remember as a kid that everything I would talk to everything and I would be asking, you know, my mom's purse, if the purse wanted to go on the trip that we were going on. Um, And I wonder if that is just bred out of us, so to speak, as we age.
1: Well, absolutely. It's considered childish and immature. And as we, I mean, you know, there is an age of consent. There's there's an age where we are, become accountable to our own consciousness and our own belief system. And it's curious because across cultures and across traditions, across healing systems, it's around seven to eight years old. So, I mean, there's, there's something happening in there for sure. But it seems like, When we reach that age range at a natural energetic point, we start to need more data. I mean, we intellectually, humans start to crave more data rather than experience, to just be satisfied with the experience that we're having. And there's a saying, there's an old pagan saying, and I'm probably going to butcher this, that, um, oh crap, hang on, wait, wait, cheer for me, it will help you can do it okay okay (laughs) that when that before the like before the age that you lose your first teeth your your children need to have um the best sorceress you know the best magician to work with and after that age they need the best scientist yeah that makes oh that's
2: interesting i've never heard that
1: well i butchered it i'm sure i can find (laughs) a a more a more succinct expression of that if I look for it hey that one worked
2: for me Kelly
1: (laughs) and it
0: makes sense too because I I remember you know like you said Janet I I used to have that connection with everything around me and I, I mean I guess prior to losing touch with it and you know I feel that now but it just sort of was that way when I was small. But I remember the point at which I went from just talking to trees or just communicating or having this relationship with trees to I needed to draw a face on them. Like I needed to humanize them in some way in order to keep justifying that relationship. Like I, I vividly remember this very awkward transition of I would talk to everything, maybe not out loud, but there was this vivid relationship, not just imaginary with everything around me. Mm -hmm. And that at some point I felt that it wasn't gonna be okay to keep those relationships. And I started trying to make them more palatable to what was happening internally for me. And so there were these trees. When When I lived in Arkansas, I was about eight or nine and I drew faces on them so I could keep talking to them. I can't believe I'm recording this on a podcast that's going out
1: to the public, <laughs> <But laughs> for all posterity.
0: <laughs> but I did, and and I and then and then it was somehow okay for a little while longer. And then I just at some point realized it wasn't okay at all, mm-hmm. um, not for me. But it was just like I was starting to get bullied, and um, and that was without people knowing that I talked to trees. And it was just like it just I just knew inherently that it wasn't going to be acceptable. 'Cause no one around me did it. And and I think that's the thing is, you know, kids need guidance. And, you know, I think at least for the three of us, stepping into animism and our spiritual paths, I don't think any of the three of us, you know, we're all broken path um shamanic people. Uh, we all have broken path shamanic practices and as animists like we haven't been thoughtfully guided by the humans who raised us
1: i will say i was my my grandfather and i don't know i'm not entirely sure where he got this but he very much taught us that everything is alive but it was very divorced from his beliefs um as a religious person Like, I mean, there was, there was no overlap in those, but there was no question that he taught us that all of nature was alive and that it, and that we were engaging it and it was aware of us and, and Mm -hmm. deserved just as much respect as we thought we deserved. And so that part of it is a little bit different for me,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: but the disparity of, of him, you know, he would have never used the word animism. But the disparity of him never bringing it back into his actual faith, his you know religious path, was evident. And I, I, want, I was thinking about what you said, Brandy, about, you know, there's a point where it starts to determine your worth, or there's a perception that yeah. being an out loud animist starts to determine your worth. I think that's also applicable to the predominant religious component that we grow up with culturally because if your deity isn't as badass as my deity you lose right i mean that's that's one of the components of monotheism it, you know mine's better than yours it
2: and sadly it is of polytheism also
1: yeah and it's, my
0: Oh, go ahead, Janet.
2: My experience was just the opposite. I was taught to be consciously taught to be afraid of everything, that everything is going to get you. The cows are going to get you. The horses are going to get you. You're going to get poison ivy and then you're going to be sick and you could die from that. I mean, those are literal quotes from growing up. And being raised in an atmosphere like that, it's just so fear bound. And it is so inhibiting to go out into the world, so to speak, and to just go, wow, you know, it's really not the way that I was taught it was. There's a whole different experience here.
1: Yeah,
0: and I think for me, um, being raised, I mean, at different points, I, I had a stepfather who was very connected with nature, raised wolves, was was very... Um, you know connected with the outdoors but i was raised by a mother who definitely wasn't never went outside we didn't and and sort of used you know sending you outside as as punishment it, it didn't have worth it was the thing she did to you know kind of get us out of the way and so i never had that instilled and and after i you know when i just to family at one point later as an adult that i was engaging in druid study druidry studies um, Anytime I've tried to step into those spaces within my, you know, birth family dynamic, it's been a source of like derision or yeah. secret yeah. jokes about how I'm gonna, you know, boil people's rabbits and stuff. Like it just, it's a source of like this is the weird thing about Brandy, and I ca- I can't say I've found a ton of spaces outside of you two lovely humans and you know our our sphere where it hasn't been seen as odd and a thing that I have to frame in a way that's digestible. And it's weird to feel like I do have some responsibility to frame it as something digestible so that it's not seen in the wrong way, I guess, in a way that people with an established religion don't seem to have to do
1: i think that we're not exactly united i mean ironically it's it's just not it's not a very forward um life perspective or experience that people rally around i recently was having i I met this person um kind of introduced to some local theoretically like-minded people and what i found when we started talking really was that I was eventually being interviewed, and when I, it got down to, like, really granular grilling me about what I experienced or thought about specific aspects of um, Old Norse culture, I did not pass the test, and it was very evident, and the, the breaking point was when I said, I let them tell me. I, I don't mm-hmm. project. This is, this is how the books say it goes, and you know, I'm owns bitch or, you know, any of that stuff. But I just was like, no, I don't experience it that way. And I let the experience dictate where it goes. And, and it was the mm-hmm. end. <laughs> and,
0: and I, I, I think, think that's a huge tie-in to why I think it's an uncomfortable thing is because um, it is experiential. And I remember even in our first episode, when you talked about it that way, Kelly, there was like a little, I had a little internal twitch of like, oh, people are not going to like that not in a way that was problematic, but just in a, like, even I could still tap into where it's uncomfortable that it's just experiential and it doesn't come with a manual and we didn't write the guidebook. Um, there's no religious text. There's no, it just is. And, and in that way, no one gets to be the expert on it and no one gets to be in charge of it. And I think that's uncomfortable
2: for people. I think it goes beyond uncomfort too. It goes, It just downright scary. How do mm-hmm. I operate where there's not an expert telling me what to do and how to feel? We
1: are the religious text. I mean, our yeah. cellular experience and memory is the religious text. And that's, that's what's hard for people to accept because, you know, even people who identify as pagan and vehemently do not identify as Christian still embrace that some higher authority has to set the parameters. And if it doesn't, then they don't know how to set them for themselves. One Mm -hmm. of the things, when I first started working with other people as a shaman, one of the biggest things that would come up is people would say, um, when I tell people I'm a spiritual person, but I'm not a religious person, it freaks them out. And they they couldn't figure out why, because in their minds, they're still saying I'm on your team. But what they're hearing is, If you could just come right out and say, I'm a Satanist, they would feel more comfortable with that than you not taking a container at all. Yeah, because
0: you can go home and Google whatever they believe and you feel like you'd know them already.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Even if it was wrong, (laughs) you would at least have some parameters to wedge them between and feel like you're still the authority.
0: Yeah. 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 And I will say, you know, in terms of talking about how, you know, we each personally identify in an animistic way. um, It's been interesting. I can think of two distinct experiences. One was bringing up animism to a fellow shaman locally and seeing a blank look on their face that I wasn't prepared for. (laughs) And, and it, and it, from someone that I, you know it's not a lack of willingness to know but it was clear that it that their training or like however they came into that path and however they were walking it that it had literally that word had never been used and and Is that it, was kind of a a shocker for me it's a
1: source of grief to me it, mm-hmm. grief in a sad way and grief in an anguished way also mm-hmm. i can't tell you how many times i've been in company in community with modern shamans who go, what's animism? And yeah. I can tell you that's a Michael Harner projection. There, I said it out loud. It's not just in words. I said We're it. in big
0: trouble in this episode. Well, I
1: know, I know. <laughs> but but for real, Michael Harner is the one who put that forward as you can just do this and you don't need to know where it came from. You don't need to know it's your birthright. It's okay. And that's true to a large degree but you know everybody went batshit because he talked about how his approach to shamanism core shamanism was culture less and if we're having a people conversation one there's no such thing as cultureless. less yeah if we're if we're having the real service to community conversation there is no such thing as culture less because your first community is the nature community you live in and among every day and that's animism and and you
0: know we've talked about how like you know some of his approach I think was to remain safe and avoid cultural appropriation but that was the one community he could have leaned harder on and would have been safer in. just you know you, you can't go out back and appropriate the grass in your yard you know it's like that would have been the safe community to lean into in a way his, like and in his, throwing it out it, you know yeah it was,
1: yeah his logic on that was all about middle world being an unsafe place mm-hmm. and because it's not a place that you can teach in a weekend workshop and and the whole model that he created for shamanism had to work in a weekend workshop or at least be stuffed into a sequence of weekend workshops and you can't do that with middle mm-hmm. world stuff and I think that I, I'm this is my own idea I don't know this there's no grapevine backing this up but I, I think that's why he de-emphasized middle world stuff thus animism because we live do you want to in-
0: explain real quickly middle world just because we're you know we're animism and we're not we haven't yeah. delved into shamanism
1: yeah good point brandy <laughs> things that harner put forward in making shamanistic techniques easier for people to learn was this division of a triple world cosmology meaning in an upper lower and middle world there are these well-defined strata in which we send an aspect of our soul to travel specifically to one of those areas for a particular kind of information or healing that's brought back to be engaged and incorporated actively in everyday life. So they're, they're destinations, but those destinations hold specific kinds of information for what we may need to accomplish in everyday life. And so the middle world is the aspect of that spiritual strata that is closest to how we live everyday life. I I feel like it is, the earth soul and and all the things encompassed in that earth soul sort of Mm -hmm.
0: container. And and I kind of, um, you know, in my brain, I kind of rush. I I kind of reconcile it as the energy the energetic layer. Of everything to me, it's like the animist, the animistic layer. It's like the layer yeah. of where yeah. everything yeah. is connected, and all of that essence is a specific overlay over the physical that we see around us. Yes. And okay. for me, when I'm engaging in animistic practices, like they're almost always middle world in that I just yes. am reaching in and stepping out of myself energetically and into the energy of what's around me. So it does feel like a loss that 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 isn't as um, emphasized.
1: Well, and Harner didn't originate that triplicities. And I I don't mean to project that he did, but it was was the easiest way for him to teach people the technique behind Mm -hmm. ecstatic trends. There are other cultures that have a triple world cosmology, but there are also other cultures that have many, many, what you would call worlds or strata in their cosmologies
0: mm-hmm. yeah this you're so articulate about defining these things yes I you are so
1: i've been <laughs> doing it for a long damn enough. Yeah. i should be <laughs> don't ask me a math question though <laughs> yeah. so the the other
0: the other example of where this has come up in a way that struck me in my in my personal life just around in, other than the sort of There are a lot of ways it always goes when I have this conversation. I think we've talked about some of those. One of the other ways that it came up for me was um, I was having one of those conversations where, when you were talking about feeling interviewed, Kelly, it was like, oh, that's what happened. (laughs) I had this friend last year that asked me about my shamanic practice and ask and and animism almost immediately came up because she was more asking about my beliefs and um and you know I started talking and she was someone who's very uncomfortable with spirituality admittedly um and when I started talking about the idea that I think of everything as having worth um it it sort of made her visibly uncomfortable um and with some we were at lunch so it came up that she's vegetarian has been vegan i um i think she asked me about it in some way and i just very offhandedly said you know i don't for me it's all something that was alive you know food is all something that's alive it didn't really any nothing came of it in that conversation but later we had a tense conversation in which she referenced that as a a thing. She referenced something about how we are two people who see very differently in ways that are hugely fundamental, but we do good work together. And when I gently tried to ask what that was about, this thing got blurted out at me that it's, it's ridiculous to think that plants have feelings. And I was like, Oh, you really, really misunderstood not just misunderstood the conversation, but I feel like there's such a boiling down of the concept of things having worth Mm -hmm. than to only think of worth as being having human ish feelings and, and things that things that look human ish have eyes and faces and fur or, or, nervous systems or feelings and and having this fundamental sense that i think that's also what is really hard for some people around animism is there's just something that is seen as utterly absurd and ridiculous about having a worth that doesn't have to involve feelings
2: human feelings. Which just tells us how far we are removed from uh, where we live and being with earth and everything. One of the things that I've been pondering on and find absolutely fascinating is um, my understanding is correct. The indigenous folks do not have a word for animism. It just is. It's what is. Mm -hmm. And the fact that we have a word for it already separates um, our experience of it from being just what it is
1: right it makes it intellectual and academic
0: well what's interesting too about (laughs) what's what's also interesting is that animism is becoming something that is more and more scientifically supported yes you know where we've talked about like genetically we carry trauma trees have networks in which they help to heal other trees and they communicate and there's there's language and communication and um awareness in things that you know i think even a decade ago would be ridiculous to say in mixed you know general company in this culture and all of it's becoming you know the latest scientific study that's being
2: published
0: so it's very interesting
2: (laughs) there are recordings of plants singing of plants making music And they're just gorgeous to listen to. Mm -hmm. And each one is so different from the other. A birch is different from a rose. It's just incredible to hear that.
0: Mm -hmm. It'll be interesting to see what this conversation is like about animism and about who we are in relation to everything around us in even 20 years. How different that conversation may be. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, when we have to figure out how to hunt, to feed ourselves, and where we're going to get our water from.
0: Right, since we're headed for an apocalypse.
1: <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry to be the one.
0: Yeah. So, quick, I thought, you know, quick to, I left this, this has gone a little bit over, but I feel like this is a really interesting conversation we can certainly continue it even in the next one but I wondered if each of us could go around and say you know what is your elevator pitch for animism when you're when you're talking about it to a person who has no idea what that word is and they're probably not within like a you know you're talking to someone who's maybe not even in the realm of like pagan or um, spiritual rather than religious they may be someone with no sense of any of it What's your, what's your quick spiel to kind of address it and not go down, you know,
1: a A a rabbit rabbit hole?
0: Yeah, a rabbit hole. What's your pitch? (laughs) You know, when you're at lunch or something and it's just like, oh God, I don't want to go down this, but you asked me what it was. Like, what's
1: your, what's your quick definition? Hang on. looking for it because i wrote this in a book this is why i write things down i can't remember anything (laughs) seriously so i so
0: i mean i'll start because i i knew i was going to ask the question so i'm the most prepared (laughs) (laughs) cheater (laughs) if i'm sitting at lunch and somebody you know you know it comes up whatever way someone's like well what's animism i typically say um animism is just a basic experience or belief that everything has a soul or worth or essence whatever you believe around the concept of a soul or something like a soul because i find i find that soul can be charged and it is for me even sometimes just because of my my history in terms of religion so i'll just say you know it's just um, i believe and experience that everything has an essence or a soul and that my relationship in terms of my spiritual practices are all framed around and understanding that everything around me does have that essence, worth, personhood. Um, and that typically adds, that, that typically leads to a couple more questions, but that's usually just how I started off, I guess. So well, what about you when stole you stole mine?
1: <laughs> I was going to say that. I really was going to say that
2: um i was gonna say that too i know know.
1: i think the the most succinct elevator pitch is that it's everything that is alive is alive which again is not a quote originated by me and nobody can really find who the actual source of that quote is it just gets thrown around in all the shamanic circles but um, I was looking in the Teen Spirit Guide to Modern Shamanism. I, I talked about this in the preface. But I think my uh, my most succinct way of expressing animism is that it's an ancient expression of awareness beyond the self. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I like
0: the, that everything is alive as well. And that usually leads to my... Um, sort of caveating offering the caveat that life looks very different depending on what you're looking at that it that doesn't mean that everything is human or has a life that is inherently the same as human life or maybe animal life but that everything does have life energy essence soul and is thus to be respected as a participant in the universe
1: I guess and consulted. Yes, absolutely.
0: I usually don't lead into that with someone who
1: didn't understand (laughs) most of what I said. Because you broke
0: them, you'll you'll just break them. Yep, yep. (laughs) (laughs) And Janet, do you, any any other framing that you usually give?
2: Um, What you folks said, and also I tell people to just go out into nature and experience it. And I know that sounds simplistic, but when they're out in nature, to focus on one of their senses. So the sense of smell. What are five scents, five odors that you are smelling? That's from animism, Mm -hmm. you know, assuming they're in nature and not standing on I-90 with all the traffic going by. Um, But to open up their senses to see what's really out there Mm -hmm. in the world and to have that almost like newborn, newfound experience Mm -hmm. of experiencing that yellow flowers. Yes, it's a yellow flower, but there's this vitality behind it. That when you look at it for what it is, you're okay. actually connecting with that vitality instead of, quote, unquote, just a yellow flower. And I say that because right now there are yellow flowers that are peeping up on the mountains.
0: Mm-hmm. I like that. And I, I like the idea. I actually, in one of the groups I do at my practice, the homework for the past couple of weeks was to go outside. And since it's nice weather, at least in the northern hemisphere <laughs> right now, um, to barefoot stand on some earth to find a space stand on the grass stand in the dirt spend you know five minutes and just be aware and that's kind of the intention uh, around it for me was to you know look around and you don't have to choose animism or choose those relationships you can just stand in a space look at what's around you inside too and simply be aware of the relationship that you have with every single one of those things. And if you start looking at the relationship, each of those things has with each other, that's, that's animism.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) That works for me. This is a fun one. I had so much fun talking about this. (laughs) And getting us all in trouble. We're, I, I feel like at least (laughs) a few points I've gotten myself in trouble, but It's fun to talk about. And I I think it's useful to talk about, too, if we're going to talk about animism. You know, it's it can I feel like people who may be listening and considering this. This language and this type of relationship and stepping further into this, that it can be kind of daunting to consider how to how to verbalize it to other people and even to yourself. So hopefully some of that was
1: helpful here. So. It's curious because, you know, I work with a lot of people who um, are interested in some caveat of shamanism, but they'll often say, I don't want to work with people. And I'm like, you still have to understand how you're going to engage this and articulate it because mm-hmm. even if you don't work with people, you're still in the community. Right. You're, you're still with responsible. People. For, right, right yeah
0: (laughs) yeah it's I mean it's important it it just is because we're humans and we're communicative beings that part of our existence is communicating and these are the deep things that move us forward through growing and if we can articulate them even to you know a couple closest people to us you know that's out loud how do you say those things and it's it's important and I know all of us each of us as people who've had to who, who have stepped into that relationship in a way that impacts you know professional relationships we've all had to figure that out so I've really enjoyed hearing how how each of us does that
2: well and it takes practice too because I know um, that there's been a couple of times when I've tried to explain it and I'm going damn that was just clear as mud I need to go back to the drawing board and figure <laughs> out how to say that better Mm -hmm. and that's just part of life part of my experience of it
0: yes yeah articulating ourselves in all ways is you know I I think that in the way that I sometimes think out loud and figure things out loud I think the way that we learn to articulate ourselves helps us to uh, helps us to understand ourselves better Mm -hmm. too exactly so thank you. This was a this hopefully everybody's okay with this being a, a little bit of a lengthy one, but I think it was a really great conversation. This was fun. Yeah. Thank you so thank much you. for the conversation. Um all the info on how to follow us and everything is coming up in the in the closing segment. And um, but as a reminder, ev- everydayanimism.tumblr.com if there's any aspects of any of this that you have questions about feel free to hit any of the three of us contact info and everything is on our website and if you want to hear more about any of this or have a specific topic for next week just hit us up and let us know yeah 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 (laughs) see you next week ladies bye 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 -bye. have a good week you too bye Thank you so much for listening this week. If you'd like more information on Kelly, Brandis, or Janet, or to listen to past episodes of our podcast, get some more information on our resource page, you can find all of those tidbits at everydayanimism.tumblr.com. See you next week.